Well, happy 2023. Surprise, surprise, there are more people in the second service than the first. What a shock, what a shock. Had several people throughout the week kind of ask me about 9 o'clock, so you're going to have 9 o'clock? Will anybody be there? I'm like, I'll be there, Brian will be there. And there were people here, but there are more <laughs> of you. So yeah. good, good to see you today. Been a rather upside-down week in many ways. I mean, my goodness, last week standing at the door was Polar Express. This week it's 44. Figured out. Uh, this week, Shelly wasn't around at all. She's, she's, she's always around, and she wasn't around at all. Nate's never around. He was around all week, so we got that switch. And for the first time in my life, my grandchild visited my house. Over the river and through How the woods. How fun was that? that How was cool. fun was that? Yeah. That that kid is just, ah, oh, I can't stop thinking about him. I literally, I just like. Yeah, me neither. Morning and night, <laughs> can't stop thinking about him. He's amazing. So <laughs> tell us, how's it been? Uh, well, I mean, I stayed up until midnight last night, but it was not of my own volition or choice. Uh, yeah, he's. <sighs> He's not a consistent w- waker-upper, so he's not up every hour, but when he's up, he's here to party for an hour and a half, two hours at a time, so <laughs> yeah, when I, I apparently, I, I laid him down last night, like two o'clock, and uh, Riley took over, because he was still up and whining and whatever, and she actually calmed him down as usual, but then when she laid him down, I guess he he woke up a little bit, and so she, she just stirred. I am not someone who gets woken up by stirs or sounds. I am a lump on a log. I am the oh, worst. It's, it's more than that. Yeah. Dynamite, it's, I mean, does not work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you could, I'm one of those people, like, I'm sure you've seen videos of people getting lifted up on air mattresses and sent out onto the lake. I'd make it to the other side of the lake, wake up and just drive home. Like, I'd be cool with it because I just, I don't wake up. But last night, apparently, this baby thing is starting to make me stir. So she moves a little bit. I hopped up out of bed, like, with no idea what I'm doing. She's like, what? What's going on? What's go-? She's like, just lay down, stupid. Just go back to sleep. So, uh, yeah, so we're in that delirious, like, we're just charging through coffee in the veins kind of mood. So, yeah, no, but it's it was, all going very well. It was, it was very, very fun to be together, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more than once before the end of the day. But um, something happened the other night. Talk about upside down ton of junior hires were here, and you weren't. So there was a lock-in. You were at home checking out snaps, seeing what was going on. I never have FOMO, and I was talking about that with Riley one time, and she's like, yeah, it's because you're always there. <laughs> you can't have FOMO if you're there. Um, so, I, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Julie and, and the rest of our refuge team, uh, Julie was the one who, like, agreed She's like, yes, we'll put on a lock-in. And then she had to, one by one, convince everybody to actually staff it. And, uh, and she did a great job. She did an awesome job. Um, and so I'm just super appreciative. I think that's, that's a part of the, the great thing about our church and our teams. Um, I, I did no planning. I didn't put one ounce of energy or thought into it. Um, I was, you know, Julie asked a couple questions, but like outside of that, it was all our refuge team and everything went super well. Kids had a lot of fun. And as you're saying, I, at about two in the morning, I'm getting Snapchats that people are still awake and I'm just like, Oh, I'm sorry, Dora, Bob, Sherry, everybody. like, I'm just so <laughs> sorry. They're going to be up all night. And they were, and they were. Um, and I, I hear a, a great feat has been accomplished. Um, Gibby touched every single wall in the church. He's the first person to wow. ever do it, so big we'll, round of applause. We'll make a plaque. <laughs> we'll make a plaque. That's amazing. 
I, it's funny. The weird things that happen to Lockins, yeah. I love that they had a lot of fun. I, I love all that. And, of course, my piece is I walk in the next morning wondering what kind of war zone is there here? Does the building still stand? Did it get burned down? And, and I just have to, I mean, give great credit to not only kids but all the leaders for you wouldn't have known they were here. Michael and Ann came in to do the floors, and they're like, I cannot believe a crew of junior high kids was here all night long. The place is immaculate. So it was really cool. Doing a good job. Yeah, well, it was immaculate because they stayed and they cleaned, and so we are going to give them, I mean, they're probably going to be asleep until Wednesday, Yeah. Uh, but we're giving our leaders one more week. So uh, to, tonight we are off with Revive, and this Wednesday Refuge will be off. But next Sunday, once we get into that, that swing of school coming back, um, we will we'll fire back up. So next Sunday night, high school will meet at our normal time. Um, Refuge will meet 630 to 830 next Wednesday. Um, so just giving us that, that one last week to, to kind of prepare. And I'm really excited getting going with Revive again because we are super close. We're just a couple weeks away from starting our, our all-church read. Yes. Well, so we've got the 8th and the 1, 8, 15. 8th and 15th, we'll have a little different topic. And then the week after that, we'll be jumping into this all-church experience we're doing. And uh, part of what I love about it is we're going we're gonna to be we're going to be digging into what we believe. We're going to be digging in. And, you know, the word is doctrine. And I think when you use the word doctrine, a lot of people, you know, big yawn. Really, why, why do we want to look at that? Well, if you don't know what you believe, you'll fall for anything. So we're going to be looking deeply into what we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and other aspects of, of basic doctrine that are really, really important. Uh, we'll be much like we did with Rooted. It'll, it'll be um, going along with, a, with a, a study book, a devotional book. You'll do four days each week that you'll be reading and answering questions in the book. And then you may choose to become part of a small group and talk that through. A lot of you have already signed up for that, and that's great. Still space for that. But for some of you, a group may not work out, but you still want to be a part of the book experience. So you can, you can order a book and follow along. That's, that's absolutely legit. The thing is, we need to know that you want one. So one of the parts that's been a little hard working with this group uh, is as they provide the groups, you can't, books, you can't just go on Amazon or, or go over to Walmart, Barnes Noble and grab them. You've got to order them through their church and they send them by way of Pony Express from California. So um, it can take upwards of two weeks for the books to arrive. And what we try to do as much as we can is make sure we don't overorder and have 50 books that we're dealing with now. What do we do with these? Because you can't return them. So if you're planning on being a part of this, if you're planning on uh, doing the book, we'd really appreciate it if today, tomorrow, next day, sometime soon here, you go on, get them ordered. We've already ordered 200, and we've used up about 120 of the 200, so we've got, we've got some space there, but we want to make sure that there is a book for you as the study starts. So uh, make, make sure you get on that. And what else, what else did we talk about? seems like there was one other thing. Yeah, there was. We were just hoping that the, uh, that the Bears lose out. Oh, that's hoping right. Hoping for that number oh, one right. pick. So yeah. sorry about that Bills game last week. I, I felt really bad for you all for about a second. But, um, I, and believe me, as a, Bear, as a Bills fan, I know totally what it feels like to be a Bears fan. Kind of the same experience. So who knows, 2023 may be the year, but I'm not counting on it. Do yeah. not count on it. No yeah. way. Pain, <clears throat> pain is our life, and that's okay. Pain is our life, yes. <laughs> So we're going to be uh, doing a teach this morning in Psalm 37. As we do, we're going to set that up with a, with a video for you right now. The new year is often a time of reflection. A chance to look back on the past 365 days and remember 
Sometimes the memories bring a smile, and other times they break our hearts. Chances are you've experienced a bit of both this past year. The new year is also a time to look ahead, to imagine what could be, to scan the horizon with expectation and seek God's guiding hand. It's a time to strive for better, to live louder, love stronger, and be more of who God has created us to be. It's an opportunity for new beginnings, a chance to start fresh, to pursue God with a renewed passion, and to press on with all our hearts. The truth is, God has been faithful this past year, and that faithfulness promises to carry us through the next. As the new year begins, may we remember this one simple truth. In Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. January 1st, New Year. How many of you are resolution people? How many of you are not resolution people? Yeah, it's kind of funny that the older I get, uh, resolutions are an interesting thought, and I get a little discouraged with keeping it for 11 days and then mourning it for 350-some-odd days that I didn't keep my resolution. So um, when I come to a new year, for me, it's not as much about a resolution. It's not about a, you know, this is the particular thing I hope to do or whatever. It really is more about reflection, to take the time to look at the past year and kind of review what happened, um, whether it's something that I had something to do with. In other words, I instigated it and it happened, or something that happened to me, it's a chance to reflect. And then uh, along with the reflection to say, okay, are there things moving into the new year that need to be different? Is there something that maybe happened last year that was my fault? Or is there something that was, was great and I want to make sure it's, it keeps going, it's repeated? So it really is a, a great reflecting time. How about you? Resolutions, where's that for you? Man, resolutions used to be uh, a big thing for, for me, and I actually brought that. But before we were Revive and Refuge, we were the warehouse. Mm -hmm. And one of the dumbest things I ever did was say, all right, I don't remember what it was. It had to be like 2014, 20, 2013, somewhere in there. We are going to do group resolutions, and we are going to keep us, you know, each one of us is going to keep us all accountable. We're putting our resolutions on the wall. And so up in the loft of the warehouse, we had this, I don't know, 15-foot stretch of paper and I very poorly drew lines so that everybody could write their name on it, write the resolution, and then check off week by week. Every time you come to Warehouse, you were going to say, yes, I, I got closer. Because our, our resolutions were all, it wasn't like, I'm going to quit smoking. Hopefully none of our kids were smoking. Um, but it was, it was all, how am I going to grow closer to God? I'm going to read more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to, you know, very general, um, very general things. Because, you know, they're kids, so we're, you know, you just try and train them up and and help them see success. So I was like, this is going to be great. We're all going to get to see how, you know, we all fail sometimes. Some weeks aren't good, and we all can succeed and push each other. And me, the accountability partner in that, got it to last about three weeks. So, uh, yeah, I felt really, really bad. But that at that point, I was like, man, this is, as I'm tearing that stupid thing down in mid-February, I'm like, 
this is a lot of work to just not just do something right now. Hmm. So I, I, I don't know. When, for resolutions, why wait until January 1st? Why, yeah. why are you sitting in August saying, man, I, I really want to get good at running. I'll start with my resolution on January 1st. No, you won't. It's cold in January and February, and then it's wet and mushy in March. And it's, I don't know. It's nice in April. You want to go out, and before you know it, you're on a boat in the middle of a lake in July, and you still haven't started running. So just start now. Why are you waiting for a resolution? So that's, that's kind of my... <laughs> my attitude toward it. I get it. That's good. Uh, I, we're doing this together today, by the way. I really wanted kind of a feel for if, if you and I were sitting having a conversation. There are going to be questions I'm going to ask him, Brian, throughout the morning that he had no, no, you know, I gave him the passage and said, look over the passage. I've got some definitions. I want to find out what you naturally believe. I don't want you to go study this. I want to know what you naturally think about this particular passage. You know so. that whole new year, new me thing? I know. <laughs> new year, same scare tactics. <laughs> <laughs> so I said my, you know, for me, it's a lot about reflection and it's interesting because it's a, it's a year that ends in three. So this is one of those, uh, not only a year reflection, but a decade reflection uh, because I was born on a three. And so I've been, over the last couple of months, just kind of reviewing in my mind, what, what's life looked like on the threes? And what are, what are maybe some of the patterns and threads that I can see that God was working, working through my life? Uh, so, you know, 1973, I'm 10 years old, in fifth grade, Miss Todd Kill's classroom, Spruce School, North Tonawanda, I Am Not a Crook was happening, all, you know, that was kind of, I was just in a season of preparation for whatever God had coming next. Um, jump another 1983. I was in my, it was in the middle of my sophomore year at Cedarville College. I mean, I was just, I was just a little kid trying to figure it out. And again, it was preparation. God, what do you want me to do? What, what's your path? What's the direction? So then, you know, we jumped to 93. In 93, we're living in St. Louis. We had been at a church for three years. It was a church plant that was just absolutely struggling. I always tease that, you know, there are mega churches. I was at a micro church. I mean, it was just a teeny little thing, struggling and struggling. And we had finally come to a point after a lot of prayer, fasting together as a church to say, maybe we should be pursuing merging with another church. And so we found an evangelical free church that we merged with in 1993. We moved to Foxdale. So that was, you know, home for us for two years. And, and it was a year of really... <clears throat> Here's what we're praying, God, show us. Just show us where to go. And those decisions were tough decisions, but really amazing the way God worked. Come over to 2003. My goodness, 2003, we're here uh, at this church, and uh, we had been through kind of a, you know, a brutal season of transition. But in 2003, we really started to see a lot of the positive changes that were taking place in terms of our culture, in terms of people God was adding to our family told your mom last night, you know, I looked at my calendar last night, 2004 is the year Carol Morris died, who was so uh, just consequential in so many of those t t transitions. That's, that'll be 20 years ago next year. And I look, I'm like, how can it be 20 years? This is what happens when you start to become a geezer. You're like, you know, 20 years. Or I'm, I'm down in St. Louis recently. I'm, I'm driving around the old church building. I'm looking at your bedroom in the house, and I'm going, we lived there 30 years ago. It's crazy. So 2003 was great. 2013, oh my word, papers were being drawn up for this room. 
at what seemed like an absolute, you got to be kidding me, it'll never happen. And here we are today, not just with this room, with the gym as well. And again, that was a lot of the prayer chairs, spending time praying, seeking the face of God. God, what do you want us to do? So <clears throat> come to 23, and I'm like, I, God, I don't know what you want. I don't know, I, I really, I want, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I don't want to just make up my own plan and say, here's what I think we should do. God, what do you want? And so it's a season of, of praying, and as, and as I was praying through, um, one of the words that has come to me again and again over the last couple of months is actually a word embedded in a verse in Psalm 37. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. And then the psalmist says, this is what God will do. And so I'm like, in what ways can I, can I commit myself to God in a way that I can watch God act? And so what are the commitments God is calling forth from us? So what I wanted to do as I was mulling through that verse, I wanted to understand more fully what's going on in the chapter. And it's, it's a longer chapter, but, you know, when I went to a Christian school as a kid, and they, they had us memorize Psalm 37, 1 to 11. I will not quote it this morning, but... Um, those verses put together, just they, they really, um, I, think they're, I think they're a great way to start out 2023. I think they're a great way to just jump into the year. So what I'm going to do, or what you're going to do, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna listen to this passage a couple times. And I want you to listen to it with, with the ears of the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen and um, see if there's a word, a concept, something that God just grabs you this morning as you hear it. We're actually going hear it three times. Hear it three different ways, and I want you to continue to listen and say, God, what is it that you're trying to speak into my life this morning? So we're going to start with the New International Version and read these 11 verses for us. And just, again, whatever you need to do to still your heart, maybe closing your eyes helps, maybe, you know, whatever it is, just drink in these words. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud, but I just wonder if there's something that God is pressing on you in those words, a word or a phrase that God's kind of bubbling, bubbling to the surface for you. So now we're going to move to the New Living Translation, which you know is, a, um, I would call it a more conversational style version of the Bible feels a little bit more like the way we talk. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. 
Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord, and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear, and though you look for them, they will be gone. The lowly will possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. And now we'll hear it one more time, and this time it'll be the English Standard Version, which is, uh, as we talked about several weeks ago, more literal. So you're getting the, the most literal translations of the, of, of the words. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out his evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends, it, tra- it, it, it tends only to evil. Sorry. Mm-hmm. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in, Im- in abundant peace. God, open our ears and help us to listen. Help us to hear what you're saying today. You, you have things you want to speak into our lives at the beginning of this year. We may look at this passage and think we know where it's going. We know where you're taking us. But God, I pray that we would have a tremendous openness to your spirit today to be guided where you want to take us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I think this is a psalm that's fantastic for a new year. It's one that, boy, if you would, I'd encourage you to just work it throughout the year. There's so much in here. This psalm is written by King David. Um, in verse 25, he says, once I was young, now I'm old. And you look at that and go, I don't know about you, but at like 35, I was calling myself old. So it doesn't give us an exact age. I think what David's trying to say is, once I didn't have experience and now I do. I have, the, I have the wisdom that comes from experience. I've seen the world. I've seen the way it works. I've seen God at work. So he's giving us some perspective. It's one of, it's one of eight acrostic, poem, uh, acrostic psalms. And I know you look at the number there, it actually looks like nine. Uh, nine and ten by many is considered one psalm. 
But an acrostic, poem, an acrostic psalm is where each verse starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So A, B, C, D, E, F, G, they're working their way down alphabetically, which is beautiful and, and creative. And at the same time, if you were trying to have a conversation that way, it wouldn't be real natural. It would be a little bit stilted. You'd have to do some work to work in those letters. Um, interestingly, as you read the whole psalm, it feels a little bit more like you're reading something from Proverbs like you're reading this verse, then this verse, then this verse. It doesn't really have like a clear outline or an overall flow in that way. And, and I would guarantee that most of us, Psalm 37, there are at least three or four verses in this, in this psalm that, we, that we've quoted through the years and we don't necessarily know the greater context of what's happening there. The type of psalm, it's a wisdom psalm. So he's talking about being more advanced, more experienced. He's able to share wisdom, not just the knowledge of things he's learned, but how life works, how life works with God. The theme, why do the bad guys always seem to win? Why? Can God be trusted? I mean, evil just seems to be rampant. Can God be trusted? Does right living pay off? I'm doing it the right way, I'm following the rules, and everybody else is getting ahead, and I'm getting my head beat in. I love this. I read in one of the commentaries, it said, we must not let the seeming prosperity of the wicked and those who do wrong undermine our trust in the just character and sovereign power of Jehovah of Yahweh. So what's interesting in this collection of verses that a lot of us turn to it's embedded in this reality that, that evil is dominant in our world. It's just dominant in our world. It seems like, it seems like wrong is winning all the time. It seems, like, it seems like evil has its boot on the neck of good. And boy, that could easily be said. As 2022 wraps up, 2023 heads out, if you're paying attention at all to what's going on in the world, it's like, Evil seems to be winning. It seems to be winning all the time. And so he's taking on no different in his world. What do you do when it seems like evil's winning? What do you do? And so he starts out, we're just going to look at different words in the passage, and he starts out with the words, do not fret or fret not. And you saw it repeated. Three different times he said, do not fret, fret not. I'm curious, how many of you consider yourself a fretter? You, you fret. You fret. Okay, that's a good admission. It's funny. I shouldn't have done that because then I asked you, what does fretting mean? And you were like, oh, I'm going to accuse all these people of being yeah. this way. But what, when, when you hear me. the word fret, yeah. what, do you, what do you think? I'm a visual learner, and so I'd, I have an image of someone who looks, and I'm sorry if you just raised your hand. This is not how I see you. Um, but I see a picture of someone who's like frail, kind of like uh, Scrooge or like Ichabod Crane and constantly like shaking, maybe hunched over, always looking for the next thing to be anxious about. Mm. So you know, where's my money or where's my relationship or where's my, uh, I, I can't find my keys. I can't find my, I can't find, just, if you're fretting, in my mind, the, the vision that pops up is, Someone who, even after something is solved, okay, now we're moving on to the next thing to be anxious about. It's, a, it's just a, a constant state of, of anxiousness. I like that you play on the word anxious because I think, I think it, it's subtle, but I think it's, it, fret is related more to anxious than worry. 
There's, there is an anxiety about it. There is a stressing, a, a fretting, a fretting going on. And, and he's, of course, saying, don't fret when it seems like evil's winning. Don't fret when it seems like the bad guys are in control, and, which is all the time, right? Sorry for another football reference, but it, it brings me back to, I don't know, it had to be like 2015, 2016, somewhere in there, where the, the evil team from the north... <laughs> dreaded Packers. Uh, they weren't playing well, and Aaron Rodgers went on a, a radio show in Milwaukee, and they're tearing them apart. Why is this team not working? You know, why is why are we not living up to the glory? And and he very simply said, R E L A X. Just that cadence. Relax, relax. Yeah, we don't have all the kinks worked out, but it's coming. And sure enough, those jerks went on to win. <laughs> win the division, go to the playoffs, but this is that's kind of what I'm getting here. Yeah, it, everything looks like it's in disarray, but don't fret, don't be anxious, relax. I love that. I love that. Let me show you some of the what we learn of the definition of this word fret, okay? This is what it means. To to be eaten, to eat, okay? To be consumed. To burn, to get heated. There's there's an element of anger with fret, where you, you're going to fix it. You're going to make it work. You're going you're gonna to push it just hard. Well, ugh, fret. There's a rage there. The term is actually used of leprosy, the eating away of the body by a disease. So this is what this is what's fretting is doing to us all the time. And I, and I got to tell you, I would not have called myself a fretter until I see that definition. <laughs> Looking at eat away and obsession, like that's not what I thought about when I think fret at all. So for all you people who raise your hand, I guess I'm with you. I'm a fretter. Because yeah, when, yeah. when evil is winning, I do obsess over it a little bit. I do get angry. It does eat away at me. So, yep, yep. so like right now, I, you know, I won't get into details, but for me, I look at our world and it's eating me up. I'm, I'm fretting left and right. I got, a, I got kids and I've got a grandkid in this world right now. And I go, I am so sorry for what we're handing you. This is just a picking mess. And I want to do everything I can to fix it and change it. And, and so I went on this silent retreat in, in November, end of November, beginning of December. And I'm praying about this, these things. And I, one of the things I realize is that I can be easily tweaked. I have a handful of people I like to listen to on the radio who know all, all Dennis's buttons. Bing, 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 to the point that after I've listened to them, I walk in the house and I just, your mother must go, oh my word, who are you, you psycho. And so at the retreat, I determined that's it. I'm, I'm not turning on the radio in the car. I'm not doing it. And I literally, tomorrow will be just, uh, January 2nd. I started December 2nd. I've not had the radio on in the car one minute for a month. Be, and, and you know, it, it's, it's helped, but here's what I don't like about it. Um, that, that term, ignorance is bliss, I don't want to be happy just because I'm dumb. And I think that's what happens for a lot of us. We feel like the only way I'm going to survive is to disconnect from the news. The only way I'm going to survive is to turn off. Go live in la-la land, ignore it all, so what what's going on, I'm just going to live in my little cocoon. And what I love about what David says is he doesn't say, just turn off your radio and ignore it. He says, you've got your eyeballs in the wrong place. You're focusing on the wrong thing. You can only see the evil and you can't see your God. 
You can only see the bad, and you can't see the bigger picture of a God who's in control. So he doesn't say, don't fret, just ignore them, don't worry about it. And, and I don't know about you, when someone tells me don't worry about it, that is not helpful, right? So he's got the don't, but then he has a bunch of do's. This is what we need to do. And the first thing he says is, you need to trust in the Lord and do good. And I love that he puts the combination there. Because sometimes when evil is happening, we take that as our permission slip to do wrong. No. You trust in God. You don't, you don't just look at the circumstances around you and determine that's the reality, that's what's going on. You, you trust in God and you do good. And he says, as you do that, this whole idea of you dwell in the land and you enjoy safe pastures is you're going to have that sense of shalom, that sense of peace come over you as you start to turn your eyes, not just turn off the bad, not just ignore the bad, but start turning your eyes toward the goodness of God, trusting in God. Then he goes on to say, I want you to take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I got to admit to you, I, I love the word delight. I've actually lived into the word delight in the past. <laughs> Since December 18th, I finally understand what delight is in a way that I did not think was possible. Every time you post a picture of that kid, I'm an obsessive freak. I mean, I just, I just sit and stare at these pictures. And he comes into our house, and, and, and I got to admit, I do the same thing for Griffey, but, but Emmett wins. You know, they come into the house, and I just can't stop grinning. My face hurts after Emmett and Griffey leave because I just, I, they're, I just, in my mind, they can do no wrong. They're perfect, which I think is Trust a, me, they can do wrong. But I think, that's, I think that's a piece of delight in God is he can do no wrong. And so we're delighting in him. I mean, everything, I love holding this kid and just, I, I remember this from when you guys were babies, to take my, I don't have huge hands, to take my hand and put it on his back and my fingers can almost wrap around to his front. His back's so tinier to take his little sleeve and pull it up just enough to get my finger in there and his little fingers that are barely the size of a hair go ahead and pinch my finger. I love when he cries. I love his cry. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I just, he, he literally, we talked about this more than once, he literally goes, wah, wah, wah. I love when he cries. Yep, and then that cute little wah <laughs> turns into something almost evil. <laughs> Shrill shriek. So yeah, you can and, have him. And then, I mean, you can have him between 10 and 6. And I would delight in it. I would delight in it. I, I love this. More than once I've been present with him. And yeah, he's done what nature calls him to do, and you change the diaper, and I'm not kidding, the new diaper goes on, and he goes again. And I'm like, Brian is thinking, oh, there goes another buck 25, and I'm going, oh, this is the best. This is the best. A delight. When you delight in the Lord, that's delight in God. Look at him and like, you can do no wrong. I love you so much. You have that grin from ear to ear. And then he says, delight in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. How do you teach that when you teach that? Because it almost like, sounds like, if you just delight in God, you'll get all the candy you want. Yeah, yeah just smack the pinata. Right, right. Yeah. No, it's uh, it, teaching junior high and high school. I mean, I, I think there's, there's some things that we need to retrain. Um, understanding what a desire is understanding that 
when you see something and you want it, that is like that emotion, that, that is a, a part of your desires. And when God says, I will give you the desires of your heart, he's not saying, I will give you the things that you want. I will not give you sometimes even the relationship that you are seeking. I won't give you the, uh, the whatever it is that you lock your eyes on and you say, I want that. That's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying, once you have shaped your desires to look more like God's, you'll understand what God wants. You will start to want the things that God wants. And then you'll be at peace. You'll be able to take delight in what he is giving you. You'll be able to be content to be able to understand, oh, I didn't need X, Y, or Z because God gave me A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a real morphing into wanting what he wants instead of just wanting what I want. And then, as, so as I'm delighting, I'm even starting to see evil the way he sees evil. Instead of the way I see evil as an oppressed person, I start seeing, I start seeing the way God sees all of these things. I've learned this practically in marriage. Um, as I have delighted in your mom, my desires have changed. And one practical example, I grew up in a house that was, that was messy and cluttery and kind of dirty all the time, okay? Just the way we lived was cluttery. Still remember the first time mom visited our house and the hyperventilation, and, and it really came down to clutter. She needed more order, and, and I was like, yeah, whatever, I don't see what you see. And, and as I've delighted in her and loved her, it's amazing now that clutter bothers me. The, the desire she has is now my desire, and not just the desire of, would you get off my back, lady, but I really, I want what she wants. That's what happens when we delight in God. We want what he wants. And then he goes on to say, be still before the Lord. Oh, I, actually, commit is in there, but we jumped that. We'll come back to that. Be still before the Lord. So you, you're, you're, you're delighting, you're trusting, you're committing, and then he says, I just want you to be still. What do, what do you think is going on in that sentence, be still before the Lord? It's the most challenging part of the entire Bible. As someone who admittedly, I mean, I, you guys have no idea the internal struggle that I am having, trying not to tap my foot or bang on something. I mean, you guys called me Dr. Tappy when I was in high school because I just am always fidgeting, doing something with my hands. Or t- so be still doesn't make sense up here to me. Um, so being still when I, when I see that, you know, be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him. It's saying, break from your normal. If your normal is go, stop. If your normal is talk, listen. If your normal is consume, give. Whatever your, your normal is, break from it, stop, pause, and pay attention to what God actually wants. Not what you want to offer, not what you want to give, not what you, what you want to receive or do or whatever. Hear and do what God has for you. And you can't until you are literally still before him. So I think part of the understanding, interpretation of be still before the Lord is understood through the second line and wait patiently for him to act. And those two things really seem in conflict, don't they? Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to be still. Still and patience don't go together with me. Patience, there's a restlessness there. There's a... Well, it's I, like, I got to fix it. I got to change it. It's like dead space. 
when you're in conversation with somebody. You, you know that silence can be a good thing, but if it's just the two of you sitting at a dinner table and three seconds pass by, you're like, I, someone's got to say something. Right. Like, I, right. I, I got to go. Right. No, no. So looking at the definition here again, it's to be silent, and it's a stillness of waiting. It's not just, you know, some Zen pretzel mode thing that I've emptied my mind. It's, it's I'm waiting, I'm still waiting on God to act. And in that, there's not a sense of resting. I, I'm not feeling rested. I'm, it, it reminds me of Griffey when you say, sit. And he, no, sit. Sit. You know everything in that dog's body wants to jump, lick, do everything he loves to do. And so, and so we're training ourselves to stop. It's waiting longingly. And one of the words that actually used, interpreted here, is the word writhing. I'm still and I'm writhing at the same time. It's not as if it's all boom, cleared out. The stillness is, I'm going to wait patiently for him to act. I'm not going to do it myself, which, which brings us to the next line, refrain from anger. Now, this isn't just saying don't be bugged. You look at the context. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. He's saying sometimes we think we can fix bad people with our anger. We need to bring righteous indignation. We need some righteous indignation. You know, I know at least one of you did this. Sorry, but you've been in a context at a meal, whatever, and you, and you just blew. And then, and then what was the line? Somebody needed to say it. Somebody needed to say it. And, and yet, it wasn't just that it needed to be said. Maybe it did need to be said, but it was said with the intensity of anger to make the point, I'm going to fix it. When was the last time you were in traffic and you finally got around that person that's going five or ten below the speed limit and you do the check, right? Who's driving this car? And like, when did that help? When has that ever helped? Right. And I say that as someone who did it this morning. So <laughs> when has yeah. it ever helped? It, does, it just, it hasn't. So we want to fix yeah. the anger. Or we want to fix the evil by matching it with our anger. And he says, it only leads to evil. Come over to James, my dear brothers. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Anger doesn't fix it. So I want to come back to the word commit. Commit your ways to the Lord. This is the verse that they, I really been wrestling with over the last two months. God, I just want to, I want to commit this to you. When I hear commit, I hear I've got to do something. I'm committed. I'm all in. I'm going to, I'm going to do my part. I'm going, to, I'm going to get involved in this, right? Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. What will he do? Well, he'll make your righteousness, righteous reward shine like the dawn and your vindication like the noonday sun. All David's basically saying there is, God will do for you what you can't do for yourself. You can't do this. God has to do this. You have to rely on God to do this. So he says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. So I'm looking at the word commit and, and, and trying to understand. I'm understanding it through my definition. How would you define commit? Full out belief. You, you can't commit to something if you don't wholeheartedly believe in what you're doing or what you're committing to. And you, it's not a passive thing. It's not just, well, okay, I'm committed. It's not just, it's not just signing your, your name to a piece of paper and saying, wow, look at me. No, it's you are all in. And for me, I had to look up his name because I, 
It's a, this is a weird connection, and it's not exactly on the route that we're going, uh, but the thought was there in first service, so I'm going to give it to you guys as well. 9-11, um, the three planes that crashed into the buildings, I mean, I've, everything was, that was all tragic, but we get the, the crazy story of Todd Beamer. Mm-hmm. Todd Beamer, who was one of the guys on the um, plane that crashed into the field in Pennsylvania, and he said, let's, let's roll. Let's, let's go. Let's do something. And that, I mean, I don't know about you, but if you know that there's a chance that things are going to go awry or things that aren't, it's a scary thing that he was dealing with. So I, you know, through his wife's story, we, we learned that, I mean, as a, as a believer, he's, that's not all just him saying, I'm tough, I'm going to take this plane, and we're going to make everything right. He's saying, no, all right, I'm being called to do this, and because I am committed to, to living after God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go act and count on him to deliver. Yeah. And unfortunately, that, that story ended tragically, but for them, it was a lot less tragic than it even could have been. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry, I stole your thunder no, a little bit because okay. I know because you're going to get into this word. Yeah, but. because here's the meaning of the word. Here we think it's all about giving our best, giving our all, giving 110%. The word really literally means to roll. to push something over, to push it away, to roll, to get rid of a burden. So when I commit my way to the Lord, I'm not saying I'm doubling down, I'm trying harder. I'm saying, God, it's yours. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm rolling it to you. It's, it's come to me in such a literal pig picture in the last few weeks. So uh, one of the banes of my existence at 24557 West Eames Street as the pastor are truckers who like to use our parking lot to turn around. You can't do it, but they do it anyway. And every time they do it, they do damage. So I was out one day in the, in the parking lot and a truck came on in. Thank goodness I was standing there because if not, he literally would have taken out one of our trees. He had it bending like this when I said, please stop and back up and do this over again. But then two weeks later, I was not in the parking lot when um, I drove in and went, oh, here we go again. Trucker went over the initial peninsula out here, boom, drove over it. And as he drove over it, he not only crushed one of our boulders into the ground, but he wedged one of his boulders between his two back tires. And then he drove that around our parking lot to try to get it to unwedge. So he went over one island and did damage to that curb. He went over another island, did damage to that curb, took it all the way out to the dumpster, went over that island, and finally dropped it in the middle of the parking lot. No note, no nothing, just there it is. And we're a day away from a snowstorm, and I got to call Al and say, Al, beware, there's a big boulder. I've tried moving it. I've, I've done my best, you know, strong like bull. I got it over to the curb, but I couldn't get it up the curb and on over. And every time I hear this rolling my burden, I'm imagining that boulder and just going, there's so little I can do except get it over to you. You have to take care of this. You, that's commit. Commit isn't doubling down. Commit is, it's yours. It's yours. There's nothing more I can do. I think it fits with the message of this uh, video. Okay, so you want this year to be different. Well, at least better than last year. You want to eat better, exercise better, have better relationships. You want to finally take control of your life 
and you're gonna make resolutions to do just that. But I say, there's only one resolution you should make. Resolve to just give up. Oh yeah, I said it. Just give up. Give up trying to keep up. Give up trying to fit in. Just give up control. Realize today that you are not God. Turn your life over to His care. Pray only for the knowledge of His will. Be guided by His word. Making this year better isn't about finally getting control of your life. It's about recognizing that your attempts at control are what caused all the problems in the first place. And today is your chance to finally just give up and give it all to God. I love it. In fact, I'm sorry we wasted like 35 minutes of your life. We could have just played that and let you walk away. Because um, this, this, is, this is the reality of it, right? That we think resolution, resolve, try harder, commit, all in, push. And God's saying, when you finally roll it to me, that's when we're going to get places. So, so that commitment, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. God, what do you want us to commit to? And, um, you know, there have been a couple things that I, 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 I really, I'm like, God, where are you taking us to church? What do you want us to do? What do you want us to get involved in? What, and, and making sure that it's not just we're going to try to do something, but God, what do you desire? And, and, and then push it into his lap and say, use us to do what you want. And a couple of things that have come up recently that I love in the fall, I was talking to Ben Mott at Green Lake, and, you know, he knew Emmett was on the way and whatever, and, and he knew stage of life I'm in and everything. And he wanted me to come, I wasn't able to go, but he wanted me to come to a, to a seminar by a group called Legacy Coalition, which is just basically about godly grandparenting. How do we as grandparents who love, who love God help our kids uh, raise their kids in a way that knows and loves God? And there's so much involved in it. And I'm just wrestling with God, what, what might you want to do with this? And about the same time that, that we're thinking about all this, um, Regina Osborne Context, context your mom and says, I've been really burdened in the area of grandparenting and would love to get involved in something that gets ministry going in that area. So Mike and Regina are, are really helping us to get going with something that's going to help with that. And, and a piece is um, one, of, one of the uh, dive deeper groups is going to be one specifically geared toward that doctrine, and, and then how does that apply to the way I'm, I'm grandparenting? So that might be a group that you consider joining, but I'm really wondering, what, what is it? You know, I've said this before. In Illinois, somebody's got to stick around long enough to get old. Everybody can't move out, move to Tennessee at 55. Someone's got to stick around and get old. Someone's got, someone's got to help lead a next generation of kids and grandkids, the other one uh, came to us last fall, and I love the way this is unfolding. And again, it's just, I'm pushing in this, this in your lap. God, what do you want us to do? But uh, I had a great conversation with Nick Henkel, the superintendent of Shanahan Schools. And he said, you know, there's, some, there's, an, there's an organization out there called LifeWise Academy. And they're taking advantage of, of something that Protestant churches have just ignored. I don't know if you were, as, as a kid, I was a Catholic, and so I do CCD, but we were allowed to leave school to go do it. 
which was like the best, right? I got out of school for an hour to go get religious education. Then my parents became Protestant and I couldn't go anymore. I was kind of bummed. And I never understood why Protestant churches, evangelical churches, don't do this. Well, it's still part of the Supreme Court law that public schools need to release children to go for religious education if the, if the, if the, um, if the parent wants it. And, and you know there are a number of qualifications that go along with that. So we're looking at what are the ways that we could partner with Shanahan schools to actually have kids released from school to come over here for religious education and then head back to school. And uh, we'll be talking about more steps of that in the next couple weeks, including the fact that we need at least 50 of you that either live in the district, work in the district, or worship in the district to sign and say, uh, yeah, we would love to see that in our district. So... Uh, but again, there's so much involved in it that it's not like we need to double down and commit. We need to roll this rock to God and say, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I love the way the whole psalm comes together because he starts by saying, don't fret. Don't worry about the evil. They'll wither like the grass. They'll be gone. The wicked will be around for a little while and then there'll be no more. You won't find them. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. It's not just don't worry. It's not just turn the radio off. It's trust. It's delight. It's commit. It's be still. It's don't use your anger to try to do righteous things. Work the psalm. Work the psalm. So as we move to, com to communion this morning, this final, in our final minutes together, um, I want to I encourage you to think about a renewed kind of commitment this year. We're going to let the music of communion go on for five minutes. During those five minutes, you can, you know, you can walk to communion at the front of the back of the room, gluten-free at the front of the back of the room as well. But I want you to think about this, this question. What will I roll over to God? I, a teacher I heard years ago that said, Solitude and silence is where we sit with God in the face of the unfixable things in our lives. What's the unfixable thing that for you is not about I need to try harder, but I need to roll it over to God. I need to push it over to you. So I want you to use communion with that question and if it's helpful to you, um, I'd encourage you to take advantage of the space down here. Maybe come and, and kneel. Put your hand up on the, on, the, on the platform. It's just a way of saying, God, I'm giving this to you. Maybe you'll kneel at your chair. If you do that, I encourage you to kneel toward your chair, not toward the front. I tried it yesterday. You get your feet all tangled. It's a total mess. But uh, maybe some time just kneeling in the presence of God and saying, God, I'm, I'm rolling this unfixable thing to you. I'm giving it to you. I've tried and tried and tried. I give up. I commit. Let's go to communion.
For over 150 years, men have bruised and battled on fields like this. Fighting for inches, foot by foot, yard after yard, they go to war. And all for the glory of the game. Funny thing about glory, though. Doesn't last too long down here. Does it? <laughs> this life is barely a second in the scope of eternity. And eternity, well, that's an overtime game that's much harder to comprehend. But what if... What if we thought of it this way? What if we measured time by the length of this football field? Bible tells us that to God, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. Look, I don't have a math mind, but I do know football. So if we were to measure time by the length of this field, then this hundred yards, that would be a thousand years. The 50-yard line, that's 500 years. And right here, this is where we live our lives. First and 10, plus and minus a decade, day after day, living in the red zone. But in this eight, nine, 10 yards that we fought over every inch for, how do we know whether we're winning or we're losing? Well, thing is, God has quite a different way of measuring a yard, or a year, or even a thousand years. Because let's face it, what's it to him? God's thousand years, the long suffering. His new day, it's full of new mercy. That midnight hour is there for a second chance. You see, time never holds him back or forces them forward. The moments of someone's life stolen away too early by death, they're multiplied without end on the banquet table of eternity. Yes, our agonizing weight is but a drop in the bucket of his goodness and grace. All those seconds that go by, those inches played out on the giant field of eternity, is God's perfect plan carried out in a precision that we can't even fathom. Thankfully, we don't have to understand it. All we have to do is trust him. So, how will your years, your season in this world, be measured? Yards fought in one, or by trusting in the one who can get you down the field of eternity? And he doesn't even break a sweat. How do we know if we're winning or losing? I think it really is measured by our commitments. And not did I try harder, did I do better, did I give 110%, but did I roll it over to God? Our years will be measured by whether or not we trusted, by whether or not we delighted, by whether or not we were fully committed, by whether or not we were able to sit in silence with God, though we wanted to do something about it. It'll be measured in terms of how much we used anger to fix it instead of giving God 
the privilege of being God and fixing it himself. These are the measurements. These are the ways we'll know whether or not we've succeeded or failed. And so I call on you this, this day as we move into 2023 to be more committed than ever. Committed to roll it over to God. Happy New Year. We'll see you. Lord bless